Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. So I'm so excited just to share this message with you. We're, we're talking today about how to go from, from hopeless to hopeful, from burnout to breakthrough, amen. And uh, how many know we could all use some more hope today? <laughs> and this is a part of a series we called Elephants in the Room, talking about the fact that there's some secrets, some, some inner things, lies that cause us to fail to live to the joy-filled life God wants us to have. There are things that we probably aren't comfortable talking about, we tend to ignore, we tend to sweep under the rug, and yet they hinder our freedom. And so last week I talked about, let's not tolerate dysfunction anymore, let's heal dysfunction. Somebody say amen. And, and so we're talking about different ones. Today's elephant is hopelessness and its companions, which include burnout. Someone described burnout as a state of emotional, physical, mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. Uh, how many know it's going on right now? Somebody called it a COVID fog, and uh, they called it ambiguous grief. Just sort of like grief over what's happened, what is happening, what might happen. One person recently said, I feel like every day I get up and I'm walking in molasses. It's like, oh, I'm running out of gas. I, I just... I just feel like I just can't quite get there today. I just feel like I'd like to take a permanent nap, you know. Uh, is anybody relating to this, all right? And, and, you know, you've heard me say the story. The mom was trying to get her son up, calls him and says, you know, Johnny, wake up. It's time to go to church. No, mom, I can't deal with that today. Come on, Johnny. No, I'm just so tired. Come on, Johnny. Get up. It's time to go to church. No, Ma. But Johnny, you're 37 years old and you're the pastor. <laughs> I can relate to that feeling like, this is hard. This is tough. And the reality is, we go through these seasons in our life, but God has promised hope. God has promised strength for us even in these difficult times. Look at Romans 15, 4. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Isn't it beautiful? It says everything, you know why the Bible was written? Everything in there is to give you hope. Why? Because your hope for the future determines your power in the present. If you don't have hope for tomorrow, you don't have any power today. Look at this verse because some of you feel like, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, my get up and go has got up and left. Well, look at this verse, Isaiah 40, 28. I love it. This is from the message translation. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine? How many could hear this word? All right. Saying God has lost track of me. He doesn't care about what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. And he doesn't get tired out and doesn't pause to catch his breath. 
and he knows everything inside and out, and he energizes those who get tired. Hallelujah. He gives fresh strength to drop out. Anybody feel like drop it out later? God has fresh strength for you. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. <laughs> Somebody say, I can use some of that. God wants to fill your tank. God wants to restore your joy. Now, as I mentioned, today there's an epidemic of hopelessness. There has been this overall season of discouragement. And there's lots of reasons for it. But one of the interesting things is described in this verse, Proverbs 13, 12, if I could read it. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. What does that mean? One of the things that causes hopelessness is when we thought something was going to happen and then somebody moved the goal line. <laughs> we thought this pandemic was over. Oh, no, it's not. We thought things were going to get better. No, there's longer, shorter, you know, whatever, supply chain problem. We thought we were going to have a breakthrough. And all of a sudden, we begin to see, oh, no, this is prolonged. That's called hope deferred. I thought it was going to happen. Someone said that, uh, that the most hopeful time people feel is in the first three hours of their diet. And then, oh, my gosh, didn't happen. All right, we won't go there either. But many people, they, they've lost hope. Why? Because it was deferred. There's a verse in Matthew 25. It's called the parable of the foolish virgins. Ten, in those days, they had these big weddings. And, and there would be this big bridal party. And they would have their, their lamps. And they would wait for the, the groom to come with his party. And, and he says, but something happened in this particular time. The groom was late. He was supposed to get here at 6, and now it's, it's getting to be 8 and 10. And it says five foolish virgins, virgins did not bring enough oil. <laughs> they ran out of oil. In other words, those days they had like kerosene lamps, or you can think of it this way. They, their batteries dried up. They couldn't make it. And Jesus was saying, hey, listen to me. There's going to be these dark times at the end of the age. There's going to be these prolonged times. Listen, you need to have oil prepared for a longer journey, maybe, than you thought. But God says, I can give you that oil. I can, can fill your tank if you'll turn to me. Here's a lot of things that happen when, when hope is deferred. You feel like quitting. You feel worn out and burned out. Have you noticed there's a lot of people quitting these days? And again, it can be whatever, quitting job. It can be quitting their sobriety. It can be quitting relationships. A lot of people have dropped out of church. I quit. I'm just too discouraged. Uh, sadly, some are quitting on life, and that's the most heartbreaking. Can I just say this right now? This is one of the reasons I wanted to give this message. If you have ever dealt with that secret of hopelessness, I don't know if anybody ever heard a thought like this, my family would be better off without me. Can I tell you, that's the enemy. We have someone who's against our soul, 
and he wants us to give up. Can I just beg you, and I'll come back to this, but please don't carry secret hopelessness alone. We love you. And, you know, the Bible says if, if one tries to handle things, they're going to get defeated. But if you're back-to-back -back with a friend, you can overcome almost anything. If you will simply say, hey, come on, will you partner with me? I have this secret thoughts of hopelessness. God will help you. God will help you. Sometimes this feeling of hopelessness brings with it a bunch of other elephants that move in like anxiety and depression. They, they, they seem to come and they, they, they begin to just, like I say, squeeze things out. And it's in this season that people begin to run out of gas. They say, My, you know, I just don't have what it takes anymore. And, and, and the point is they need some fresh oil. Can I just give you a, a, a simple quiz, like an ABC and you don't have to raise your hand or anything. But let me just give you this little uh, multiple choice. Since the pandemic began 18 months ago, are you A, brighter than you were before, more on fire, or B, about the same, or C, you feel like you've dimmed? Your, your lamp has gotten dimmer. If that has happened, this elephant of hopelessness has probably moved in. But the good news, the Bible says, that the Lord has come to deliver us, even in the midst of bad circumstances, to restore our joy by reconnecting with God. Here's the word today the Lord wants us to see, is that God can replace the hopelessness that comes from circumstances with the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit within. How many know if your joy is just from the world... <laughs> you're going to run out. If your joy comes from whatever, CNN or Fox News, you're going to run out. I tell people, if that's like your joy, that's like saying, I'm going to grow the prettiest garden in Las Cruces and only have rainfall depend on. That's not going to work. You're going to need another source. Can I tell you, there is a source that never runs out, and he's called the Holy Spirit. And no matter what your circumstances, God's Spirit can fill you. I believe that one of the things the Lord is saying about this time, He says in times like this, He doesn't want us to grow bitter. He wants us to grow deeper. He's saying the wells are there, but they're deeper now. And you need to dig a little deeper. You need to let your faith grow a little stronger. Look at this wonderful verse, Psalms 84, verse 6. This is what it says. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca. What is that? The word Baca. It's, it's tears. As they come to a place, and there was literally a place by Jerusalem called the Valley of Baca. And it was like the Death Valley. People would literally die sometimes. And he said, but there are some people, when they go through the Valley of Tears, they make it a place of springs. They dig wells. They don't just get mad. How many know some people are controlled by their environment and other people bring change to their environment by the power of the Holy Spirit? They dig deep and find strength. Psalms 20, 126.5 says, they sow in tears, 
so they can reap in joy. You know, I was praying about this. I said, Lord, what season are we in? This is such a weird season. <laughs> it's a dry season. And he says, you are in the season of sowing in tears so that you can reap in joy. He says, you don't understand now, but there is something coming so amazing for those who sow in tears now. And there was a picture of that because in those days, you know, they couldn't go to Walmart and buy groceries. So they would start to run out of food as they're waiting for the harvest. And sometimes it would be like, I want to eat the seed because I'm hungry. But no, out of sacrifice, they would sow seed. And then the day would come of harvest. And man, when they would eat that fruit, woo! Can I tell you what it means to sow in tears? It means you go against, you're in a time where you go against what you naturally feel like doing. I naturally might feel like what? Like complaining, but instead you rejoice in the Lord. I, I naturally right now feel like just, you know, just giving up and staying home. No, you step up. I naturally think about just thinking about me. No, you, you, you rise up and you think of others. You will go against the grain of your own negative feelings. Hallelujah. Some of you are great champions. I've watched you. Some of you this morning, you didn't worship because you felt goosebumps. You worship because you said, this is the day the Lord has made. I just am going to worship. I'm going to worship because as I do, and I know I'm sowing in tears, I know there's going to come a day where I am going to reap in joy. I'm going to see the fruit of my faith now in an amazing harvest in a day to come. I believe with all my heart in our darkest night, God is preparing us for our brightest days. He says, weeping endures for a night, but if we're faithful, joy is coming in the morning. Somebody say, joy is coming in the morning. Joy is coming. That's your hope. And, and what I want to give you now is about five ways to move from hopelessness to hopefulness, from burnout to breakthrough. And this, I just want to back up a little bit because these principles are very personal to me. I've been through a lot of valleys in my life, but especially right now in this season where so many suffer depression, I always go back to something I went through and way back, like in 1989, all of a sudden, unexpectedly, I fell into literally a clinical depression. It was like the lights went out in my brain. I don't even understand it to this day, but I could barely function. It was the darkest time of my life. And it was almost like, oh, I might as well just quit. And I was a pastor. How many know you're not only depressed, but now you're depressed because you're depressed and pastors don't get depressed, you know? And it was like, I wanted to quit, but I was too ashamed to quit. And I was too broken to function. And I just, just thought, I can just, I just got to toss it. Oh, I'll go sell cars or something. I don't I just can't do this anymore. And in that, through the help of some amazing friends, God showed me these things. And what I, what I want to say about that is that lasted about six months, and I'll tell you what, how God got me out of that. But here's what I want you to know. That at the end of that six months, I not only recovered, have never been depressed like that again, but I went into the absolute most fruitful time of my ministry. 
I went into all that happened in missions. This church got born out of that. I went through suddenly what I thought everything was like. No, what was an ending was the threshold to a beginning of more fruitfulness and more victory than I ever could have imagined because I didn't quit. I dug deep and I went through into the harvest season of my life. And that's a word for someone here. Because some of you right now, I know exactly where you are. But God says, the story isn't over. This is not the end of your story. This is the transition to the greatest part of the story that you've ever imagined. I'm a faithful God. My promises are true, and I will prove them to those who obey Now let's go, and I want to use a story. If you want to go with me to 1 Kings 19, if you want to meet me there in your Bible. And this is a story that illustrates this, how you overcome hopelessness so so powerful. It's about this hero named Elijah. He's He's like one of the most awesome heroes in the whole Old Testament. I mean, he he had miracles. I mean, he's awesome, but something happened to him. So let's read it. This is uh, 1 Kings 19. Just the first five verses. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a a messenger to Elijah. She's a nasty lady. Said, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Now it says Elijah was afraid. We're gonna realize Elijah caves in, okay? This is... The story of Elijah caving in, but God bringing him out. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself, I mean, leaving his servant behind was not a good idea. (laughs) While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush. Some of you have had a broom bush experience. And he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough. Anybody ever pray that? I've had enough. (laughs) Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Now just a little backstory. The chapter before is one of the most incredible things. You've heard of the shootout at the old okay corral this is the shootout at mount carmel the nation of israel had turned to the baal worship a pagan religion baal was the sex god (laughs) and this lady jezebel had almost converted all of israel to become pagans but this guy elijah said i'm going to stand up to that and, and it's so interesting because he, he, he literally challenges the prophets of Baal like to a duel. And, uh, and they say, meet me at Mount Carmel. 450 prophets of Baal show up there. And Elijah shows up and he's alone. I, I really think part of his depression was he thought some of the prophets would come with him. Have, have you ever been that place you thought your family was going to be there for you and you're all alone? So he gets there and he's all alone. But it's okay. I mean... He does this whole thing. They put a sacrifice down there and he says, all right, we're gonna see if 
Baal is God or Jehovah is God? Whoever brings fire. So go ahead, you prophets of Baal. Call fire down. And all these prophets of Baal, they start saying, okay, Baal, I don't know what they say. Baal, Baal, he's our man. I don't know what they say. Go, Baal. They literally start cutting themselves. And, and they're saying, come on, do it, Baal. Baal, 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 Baal. And Baal never answers. After the whole day, and Elijah's making fun of him. Maybe Baal's asleep, you know. And so all of a sudden, Elijah comes up and says, just drench that sacrifice with water. Let's not make it easy for Jehovah God. And then he says, God of fire, come. And boom, the sacrifice is consumed. All of their prophets get killed. There is, everyone turns towards God. The drought that he had prophesied ends. It's like, this should be the hero day. But look what happens. Instead, he runs for his life. Can I tell you, sometimes when you come to a place where you're at your highest, be ready, because sometimes that's a place where you're going to be tested your hardest. So the number one way you get out of hopeless, don't be surprised by fiery trials. (laughs) Don't be surprised when you thought something was going to happen and it gets delayed. Why? Because you will easily fall victim to despair. Don't be surprised. Be prepared. Get your armor on. He, he allowed that moment. And, and can, I, can you relate to that? In that moment when, when Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you, I don't know. Something short-circuit, because some of you have been in hopelessness, where everything you feel, thought you knew doesn't feel real anymore. You thought God is good, but you feel God doesn't care. You thought you had a promise, but you feel like there's no future for you. Your emotions just go somewhere else. And you feel stuck, literally, to a place, I want to die. A place of darkness. But number two, realize that God is still for you, even when you're ready to give up on yourself. What I love about this story is God doesn't say, where's your faith, Elijah? What's wrong with you, man? You know what Elijah says, God does? He says, Elijah, take a nap. (laughs) Order some Andales. Have a good meal. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm buying. And he sends an angel with a bunch of food. And he says, I just want you to take a deep breath. I just want you to know Today, it's okay not to be okay. What God is doing here is he's destigmatizing the mental illness that Elijah was feeling. He was saying, I am not a God who shames you. I am a God who loves you. And when you feel most worthless, I still think you're worthy of my love. See, when we go through hard times, sometimes we think God is wanting us to be strong. No, he's wanting us to be loved. He's wanting us to just let him encourage us. During my dark moments, it was so amazing. I said, God, I I gotta be spiritual. I gotta find my spiritual Superman cape. I gotta go. No. Why don't you just be human? Why don't you just 
let me love you? Why don't you call a friend? No, but I'm the spiritual one. I am the pastor. Well, right now, (laughs) you're burned out. Why don't you let people minister to you? How many know God sometimes lets you have weakness to show you that he's your strength? In fact, he says, I use weakness because when you're weak, then you learn I could be strong. In other words, because when you're weak, I use you. You won't take credit for it. You'll know that I did that. Isn't it beautiful that Jesus, the Bible says, he's a high priest who understands. He doesn't shame us in our pain. He comes and connects to us in our pain. Jesus himself in the, in the garden, three times he prayed for help and he, he told his friends, he says, can't you stay with me? He says, I am He said, literally, I am discouraged to the point of death. I feel like giving up. That's Jesus. He understands. And he just wants to be with you in those moments. Why is that important? Because often, the healing is not going to be an event. It's going to be a process. And you need to just, okay, we got to walk this out. This This is not just something I can fix. This is a place I need to find God and get help. I need to let him minister to me. I I, I love this because then God does the third thing. He takes him on a journey to reconnect. What happens next is God sends him to Mount Horeb. And it's this, you, you would know it because it's Mount Sinai too. And it's where the Ten Commandments came. But it's also probably where where. Elijah was first called to be a prophet. How many know God sometimes takes you back to those places where you remember his love? And God says, I I want you just to go in the cave for a while. And this was the point that God had. Somehow, even though Elijah did a lot of good things, he had got disconnected with God. He was working for God, but without really that intimacy with God. He he wasn't burning the anointing. He was burning the wick. He was doing it in his strength. This is easy for anybody, and we don't even know it. All of a sudden, we are just, we are just, we lost our connection. And let me just tell you, this is so important, that hopelessness is the fruit, but lost connection is the root. That if you want, and that's why I say in here, that connection is what brings resurrection. <laughs> why do people start to feel hopeless? They lost their connection. There's a, a, a powerful book by a social scientist, a genius guy named uh, Johan Hari, and he wrote a book called Lost Connections. And his whole point is that we as human beings, we were made for connection, <laughs> We were made to be with people. And he says, you know what? Depression is mostly lost connections. Hopelessness is you're not connected anymore. You, you know, he said, this is so interesting. He did a study. He says, groups like Mennonites have the lowest rates of depression. Why? Because they're connected. But for us, many of us, this is the most disconnected generation in history. We, we've moved all over the place. The way we connect is now social media. How I many know that's not real connection? 
that, that's very surface. We live in what someone called digital Babylon, where we're just connecting light here, light there, but there is no heart connection. Few people, this is proven, few people have confidence beside maybe one or two that they just pour their hearts out. Few people have that group of friends that are in this to the end. Most people are dealing with life on a quick, hi, see you there. Hey, how was, how was your week? Good, God bless you, see you next time. Whoa, hey, hey, hey. And Jesus taught us this. Look at John 15. John 15, verses five to six. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I just, I just circled that. What does it mean? God says, your biggest job in life is to connect and stay connected. Well, I gotta do this. No, 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 you gotta be connected every day with God. That's more important than making a million dollars. Did you connect? If you connect, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into fire and they're burned. See, life flows through connection. Do you know why your body works? It's all connected. The blood flows from your heart to your, how many know if you cut off your arm, it's not gonna do well. No more life. If I, if I have a TV here, why does it turn on? Because it's plugged in. What happens when I unplug it? Ugh. What happens to human beings when they unplug from real life connections? What happens in a marriage where you're together but you lost your connection? It dies. What happens with parents in the hearts of a father and mother when the kids get so busy and they're all doing all of this, but they haven't heart connected in weeks and then months? And one day, they're not even listening to you anymore. You're, you're, you're sharing a house as intimate strangers. Well, we do all these things. Yeah, I know you do this, but Jesus said, you, under, oh, you lost the most important things. First, love. Deep intimacy, heart to heart. Now, how is that defined with God? It's defined by hearing his still, small voice. I can tell you very simply, how well are you connected to God? Well, are you hearing his whispers? When was the last time you felt like, I think God just talked to me? Well, it's been five years. You might need some connection time. And so God takes Elijah to this cave. And he says, you need to take your eyes off the chaos around you to get back and hear the voice within you. You need to, how many know, the first key to connection sometimes is disconnecting. If you're on your phone, if you're on whatever, they say the average young person, 53 hours a week. You're probably not connecting that much with God and people's hearts. Some of us have to disconnect. Where are you going to disconnect so you can get connected? <laughs> In 
so he's there, and at first all he hears is wind, and God's not in the wind, and it, you know, it's just, it's all, it's just like modern day America. Oh, there's so much noise, and we gotta do this. Ah! Yeah, but God's not there. And then finally he gets silent, and there's this gentle breeze, and God whispers to him. Everything shifts. I remember the day in the middle of this depression. It was, it was weeks, and I'm just reading and nothing, and I'm just, and then the still small voice. Remember one day, a verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Dale, this temptation is not going to take your life. I'm not going to let this defeat you. I'm going to make a way. All of a sudden, God says, Dale, you're not going to die. Your story's not over. Deep inside of me, hope came. Right along with that, purpose came. God tells, he tells uh, Elijah, Elijah, this is what he hears. Elijah, go anoint this king. Elijah, go get connected with Elisha. Elijah, I have a mission for your life. I, I love what God says. He says, Elijah, put your cloak back on. That represented his purpose. Can I tell you who gets depressed and who gives up? People who lose their purpose. Well, I'm just trying to ride out the storm. If you just ride out the storm, the storm's going to ride out you. If you lose, why am I here? It doesn't matter what your circumstance... God will reconnect. The moment, I, I remember, I went to the Philippines on a mission trip, and, and God says, Dale, you don't feel it, but you're still called to preach the gospel. And I said, God, they don't want to hear the gospel from someone as broken as me. I've called you. It was unbelievable. When I stepped back into my purpose, the presence of God started to fill my heart again. Number four, God began to replace the lies he went from, there's no one but me. And God says, no, there's 7,000. Jezebel's going to kill me. No, no, she's not going to kill you. God, it's better if I die. No, it's not better if you die. I have a purpose for your life. One by one. I want to share a short testimony from my daughter, Heidi. Could we show that real quick? I thought this was very helpful. We live in Indola, Zambia. We are full-time missionaries here. We have started a ministry called Orchard Ministries. We focus on youth and children discipleship. And um, we also partner with Heart for the World Global. We love you, Heart for the World. And we partner with Iris Ministries. And so it's just a really big blessing to be able to share a testimony today with you all. Um, our family, we moved to Zambia for the first time in 2014. And for me, that was a really big deal, a really big step. I had been on a few mission trips, but um, I didn't know what I was getting into when we first came. It was quite the culture shock. Um, you know, I grew up in America in um, a really good family a good church. I would say I was a pretty um, sheltered 
person as far as some of um, to some of the harsh realities that much of the world faces. So um, as we came here, we began serving with children in children's ministry. Um, and the more I started to learn and understand um, this, the country that I'm serving in, the culture, the situations that our children were facing, the more um, I started to feel a bit overwhelmed. I started to feel discouraged. There are um, a lot of challenges that many um, people who are in extreme <clears throat> poverty in a developing nation, in a corrupt system that they face that um, is really hard. And so as, as time went on, I found myself starting to slide into a pretty hopeless and depressed situation, just outlook on life, on missions, which started to kind of translate even into my walk with God and what do I even believe about God? You know, I, I used to think that he cared about all these things and now I'm with many people who in my perspective I was feeling like maybe they've been forgotten maybe there was no hope for them and how do I reconcile that some people there's hope for some people there's not hope for and I just was going through a lot of questions and um I was I was just becoming pretty hopeless so at the um, middle of 2016, our two and a half year assignment that we've been on was up. We returned to the States. And when I came home, I, you know, thankfully I had a foundation with God. Even though I had questions, I wasn't walking away from faith. I just, I just wasn't sure what I believed. And I felt God tell me, Heidi, if you'll just hold my hand through this wilderness of questions, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to lead you to where you're supposed to be. And so that was comforting enough that I felt like I could hold God's hand. But I remember getting off the airplane, landing in America again after these years, and I felt like I just, I want to pack this whole experience and all of my emotions and all of my questions and all of the hard stuff like in a suitcase and I just want to like pack it away somewhere in my heart and just be like okay that was those two years now I'm moving on I'm going into a new um a new future and so I think we know that it doesn't work really good to pack away and suppress big emotional issues. So of course that didn't last very long before that started bubbling up all the time, wondering why am I crying so much, you know? Um, but anyways, God was just so kind and he brought a ministry into my life that became like a really um, just important mentor to me through this time. And the, the teacher told told us any area of your life that you are hopeless, it means you're believing a lie. As soon as I heard that, a light bulb went on off in my head and I knew 
that my problem wasn't God or missions or the suffering of this world. My problem was I was believing lies and I needed to go after those. And over the next year, I began to just gather awareness of those, write them down, um, and ask God, well, what, what do you say? What do you say about this? And of course, he has a new truth. And as I worked through that and learned how to re, reframe my hopeless thought with a new perspective into hopeful thought, God just totally transformed my life. I um, did a 180 in my brain, in my spirit. I just was just so hopeful, so passionate, so on fire, so ready um, for the next mission. Like, God, please, you have to send me out again. I, I need to be on the field. I know I have the answers now. I realize that I carry the good news. And somehow I had let the physical reality become bigger than the spiritual reality of God and his supernatural power. And so I was just excited. And I thought God would send our family to another, um, on another assignment in another country. I didn't know. And sure enough, he said, no, you're going back to Ndola, Zambia. You're not done. I have an assignment for you there. And, um, I amazingly was like, okay, I'm ready. This place really, um, gave me a run for my money. How I don't know how you could say, but I'm ready for the, the challenge because now I know that I walk in supernatural power and anointing and it's not in my strength and my power. And um, so we came, 2018, we came, we planted, and we're here. It's been three years now since we left Las Cruces again. And um, God's doing great things. They're still all in the same heart and all in the same challenge. But with hope and with a different perspective, it just, it feels like a different, um, a different experience. So bless you guys. I just speak and I release hope over you. And I release um, freedom from any lies. Love you guys. And if you haven't been to the Orchard Facebook page, they planted their new church Yesterday, just God did so much because someone chose hope. Let me just speak directly to that. You, you switch from hopeless to hope by going from a place where you don't settle, but you choose, in spite of what you see, to believe God again. Abraham, it said, when there was no more reason to hope that he could ever have a son. He chose to believe anyhow. David, when he was about to, to just crush, he said, I would have fainted, but I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Throughout history, people have come to that place. They could stay in the wilderness. I'm just gonna live here this is as good as it gets. My marriage is never going to get any better. My life is this. Or they take this step inside. And they say, God, you're a God of promises. 
You're a God of unbelievable. I know the plans you have for me. Plans not to harm me, but to prosper me. To give me a hope and a future. Though I am here now, I know I will be there and I rise in my spirit and I need you just to hear in your spirit. You say, I am not a wimp. I am a warrior. I am not passive. I am determined. I am not just a victim. I will not receive the lies of powerlessness. I am powerful through Jesus Christ. My life can be different. He has chosen me. He has anointed me. I have a future and you become this warrior in your spirit and suddenly that everything changes because you see God become faithful again the last point very simple he began to direct his life to encourage others to build up he finds this young man Elisha and he starts investing. Can I just tell you this? If you want to have hope, give somebody hope. If you want to have encouragement, become an encourager. If you want to break out of this kind of funk, fulfill your purpose. Can I tell you about your purpose? It's always about others. Did you know what? Your life purpose is not about you. And it is that moment where you decide, I am getting out of myself. Who needs encouragement? When we have these life groups, and I tell you, this is not just, okay, we're getting together. There is something so powerful about encouraging each other. Look at this verse, Hebrews chapter uh, 3, 12 to 13. I just feel like it's just such a word for today. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. It says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living. What does that mean? What's a sinful, unbelieving heart? It means you don't have hope anymore. You don't believe God has something good. You're, you're like those people in the wilderness who said, well, I'm just gonna die here. You have given up. You're not a dreamer anymore. You're not claiming anything from God anymore. Your heart is turned away. So what's the answer? Look at this, the next verse. But encourage, somebody say encourage. Encourage one another, how often? Daily, as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I love what C.S. Lewis said. When you are in a community of people dedicated to encourage each other, you literally get off of Satan's radar. He cannot read through the, the power of your mutual encouragement of one another. You create a bubble of hope in a world of despair. You create a place for the kingdom of God. One last story. Many of you have heard about AA and, and, and how it was started. Literally, it was called the Oxford Group in the 1830s. One of the founders, Bill W., they call him. And he was trying to understand. He was, he was, he was an alcoholic, and it was ruining his life, and he didn't know how to be sober. And so 
He was figuring out these steps, and one day he was ready to give up, even though he had promised and committed to being sober with these other gentlemen. And he goes to this restaurant. He doesn't go to the bar, but the bar's on the other side of the restaurant. How many know that's not probably a good place for him, but he's looking at it. He's about to just give up. And he sees this young man come in and go sit at the bar and order a drink. And somehow he knows in his spirit that this young man also had wanted to become sober now, that he was an alcoholic. But something hard had happened and he was about to give up and go back and have his drink again. All of a sudden, uh, Bill lost all the thoughts about him and how hard his life was. And he, he gets up and he goes to the bar and he sits next to the young man and he, he just starts talking. He finally says, hey, can I tell you, you're here because you're trying to get sober, but something really, really messed up, messed you up. And you came back to drink, didn't you? He said, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Bill just puts his arm around the guy, says, come on with me. They go out and walk in this park, and he just pours into this young man, tells him that God has a plan. He just begins to pour into By the end of that, both of them lost their desire to drink. Both of them went on to live a sober life. And he made this statement. It's a part of the AA plan today. You only get what you give. You don't get encouraged until you give encouragement. You don't get free until you give somebody their freedom. You don't find peace until you become an instrument of peace for others. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you today. I feel with all my heart that there are people here. God is waiting to connect with you. I just know you need to reconnect. Some of you have this tremendous need. You have many surface relationships, but that connection where God is your source, where you feel his presence and you hear his voice, I don't know what happened. Maybe you're here and you're not even sure you ever had that. You're, you're maybe not even consider yourself a Christian. You're a seeker or you're an investigator, whatever. But I want you to know the God of heaven wants to connect with you today. He wanted it so bad, he gave his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross, to, to be separated so that you could be connected, to take your sin and your shame so he could give you his forgiveness. So you don't have to feel like God is against you or God is a harsh task. God is waiting to just crush you like a bug. That is not God. He's the God who loves you and wants more than anything to heal your heart, to have a peace, that His peace would come into sight of you that would absolutely stabilize your life, to put into you His hope to give you the certainty that tomorrow's gonna be better and that you're gonna live eternal life after all of this world is done. And he wants to connect with you right now. And you don't have to go running after him. He ran after you. You just have to turn around. You just have to say, I know you're right there and I've been trying to get away from you. Turn around. 
and just admit it right now. God, I need you. I need you. I need to connect with you. I need peace. I need hope. I need to have a future that only you can give. And just ask him right now. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. See, Jesus is the bridge. He's the, the plug-in. Jesus, I receive you today. Forgive my sins. Open my heart to know God. To hear what God wants to say to me. And to give me life. This with every head bowed and eye closed. Just, this is powerful. Just so that you know that you've done this and you don't forget this moment. Would you just let God know Say, God, I made that decision today. Would you just say that and let me know by just raising your hand, saying, Pastor, I prayed that and I meant it. Raise your hand and just say, that's me today. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Lord, I pray for them. You said that the Holy Spirit would come. So come right now and give them peace. Let them feel something in their heart that when they leave today, they hear that your voice is inside of them. Some of you are, are strong Christians, but the Lord wanted to connect you today. And He wants to give you peace. Some of you need to find a group. You need to find other Christians where you go beyond the, just the informalities and you really share your heart. And you really encourage. Please, please become a part of a life group, a Bible study, find somewhere where you can really connect with others so that God can fill you. After the service, we're just going to have our prayer teams again. Love to pray for some of you. But I just wanted us to go out with this song. So could we just close with this chorus? Just declaring. There's something about declaring that breaks hopelessness that says, no, I'm not leaving here today as a victim, as a defeated person. I'm leaving here as a child of God, as a, as a son, as a daughter, as a warrior. So let's just sing that, and this will be our declaration today. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. And you are for me not against me I am who you say I am I am chosen not forsaken yes I am who you say I am and you are for me not against me oh I am who you say I am sing it again I'm chosen I am chosen not forsaken oh i am who you say i am you are for me not against me i am who you say i am let's declare it one more time i am chosen not forsaken i am who you say i am and you are for me not against me 
promise in Jesus name everybody said amen God bless you please if you need prayer we'll be here in front thank you so much thank you for joining us for this episode of the heart for the world church sermon podcast we hope that God's word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly we want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.